Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. We got one person excited at least. Anybody else excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I know it's early. <laughs> I know, but, but we can get a little riled up for the Lord, can't we? Amen. You know, just a little bit. Amen. 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 All right. Um, I am Brother Sanchez. For those that don't know, hello. I will be teaching Bible study this morning. Amen. Amen. Yet again, <laughs> I am honored to be here. This is truly an honor. I want to honor our pastor, Pastor Satan. Um, I want to also honor Brother Roberts. Um, just real quick, just want to get this out of the way a little bit. Uh, Brother Roberts has been a big inspiration to me. Um, he's one of the first persons, people in this church to ever pour himself onto me. Um, Sister Roberts, you know, her and, and Brother Roberts used to come to my in-law's house when I was dating my wife. Um, to do Bible studies every Thursday, and that was one reason for me to go to see my then-girlfriend, which, just FYI, yesterday, it was our six-year anniversary of dating, dating, and next week on Saturday, the 16th, will be our fifth-year anniversary, um, being married. Amen, amen. I am not wearing my ring right now because we're getting new ones, <laughs> and it didn't fit anymore. Uh, because we cook really good, and it affects many parts of the body, so it was affecting this one and this one. But God is good, amen? amen. God is good. I am thankful for his mercies. I am thankful for everything God has been in my life. I am thankful for every single one of you here, and I will not be the person I am if it wasn't for a church like this. So a round of applause for you all. Amen. Goes out to you. Amen. Amen. I will also want to honor Sister Valerie. Um, I don't know if you'll remember last week she gave a, a really, really awesome lesson about heaven. Amen. It felt like heaven came down to earth. And then we had a wonderful service. Uh, Sister Brooke sang her song, uh, I Feel Closer to Heaven. Man, last week was heavenly. I'll tell you that. Um, today, I don't want to go against what Sister Valerie taught. I wanted to teach on, you know, the warnings that God gives us in his word about Satan. You know, but I'm, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I want to keep that flow going. Instead, Sister Valerie, I want to kind of go based off on what you taught. I'm not going to teach everything you taught word for word. Um. But, and it's not even going to be the same. You know, I'm confused a little bit still about the word. You know, God delivered to me this way. I wish, I, I mean, I hope that I could deliver it to you the, the way God has delivered for me. And I pray that it'll, it'll do something. You know, it'll kind of go with, with um, whatever 
whatever happened last week. And I would pray that it continues on because we're starting to see revival. It is that time. You know, October, fall is the harvest season, you know. Um, I read a scripture that the harvest is big, but the workers are few. So, you know, it's time to get on up and start harvesting, you know, get on up. Amen. <laughs> also, uh, remembering about heaven. Uh, I don't know if you remember Brother Easter. He came that one time. And, man, I mean, those just, just talking about heaven is something I never considered until I started coming to church. I thought that good people go to heaven and bad people went to hell. Um, turns out it's a little different. And I'm glad God has opened my eyes, as well as many of you, and I am glad for what God is doing. Uh, we're going to start this morning in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Romans 8 and 18. Now, this will not be my focus uh, verse. This will just uh, kind of open the way for my first uh Point, my first topic that I'll be talking about. Um, it is a Bible study, so I will be all over the Bible today. <laughs> Just to, you know, kind of reiterate. Uh, Romans 8.18. If you got to say amen. 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 So I, I, I want to try something different, too. I know it's on the screen. I know I, usually the, the, the teacher reads it off, but can, can we all read it together and kind of speak it into our lives? You know, not, not only saying it, but believing it. Amen? So, 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 so let's try that. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. Before we sit down, can you lift up hand and pray with me for this word? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we, we pray that, that this word comes forth. And Lord, I pray that you prepare the soil that you will prepare our hearts so the seed may be deposited, Lord. And I pray that your word will not come back void, but, Lord, I pray that it will give us fruits and that will produce something in our lives. Lord, I pray for this word this morning. I pray that you will give me the anointing, the unction, the power, the authority to speak this word forth to your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. You all may be seated. Thank you for standing. And the title I've given this, les this lesson is While We Wait. While We Wait. Again, I, I, I'm kind of jumping off from our sister Valerie taught last week. She taught about heaven, you know, a place where we all should strive to go. But I don't know if you all realized, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're waiting. We're closer each second. But... In the meantime, we got to wait. What do we have to do while we wait? I hope I can pray. I mean, I hope I can teach you all uh, or give you some pointers on what to do while we wait. All right. We started off in Romans 8.18. You know, that's a wonderful, beautiful promise in the word of God. That was, uh, I don't know if you all remember last time I taught. I taught on Romans 8 still. I'm still reading that book every day almost. That same chapter, chapter 8, and every time I read it, a different um, understanding comes out of it. And I'm glad that God works in that way because, you know, it's not just like reading any other book. You're reading the Word of God. God is speaking. God's spoken Word. So I'm glad that he gives me a different re revelation each time. But the Word of God uh, asks us to wait many times. Time and time again in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, somehow or another, God asks 
to wait before fulfilling his promises. We read in Psalms 27 and 14, the word says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I'm guessing that's how it was meant to be said. Wait, I said, I say. You know, when you tell a kid to be still, I say be still. You know, when you, when you have to repeat it again, you know it's important, right? Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, this is a commandment that Jesus gave. And he said, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He was telling him to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit being, uh, being poured out, right? We read time and time again in the Bible to wait. Wait on the Lord. You know, those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Um, other, other translations that they use for the word wait is the word hope. You know, uh, other translations, when you read them, they use that word hope instead of wait. I'm going to give you a quick Spanish lesson. The word wait in Spanish is espera. The word hope in Spanish is esperanza. You see the correlation there? Many times in the Spanish Bible when I read, uh, it says those that wait, meaning those that hope, or those that are actually waiting, right? The action. Hoping, waiting, they're both actions, really. Um, but nowadays, nobody likes to wait. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? We have become impatient, right? Amazon Prime. <laughs> There's people, I know there are people, I know this for a fact, that pay more for shipping and handling than the actual item just to get it a day faster. Right? Raise your hand if you've done that. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> But I know there are out there, you, right? Fast food restaurants were made for that reason. We want our food fast. You better give it to me as soon as I swipe my card, you know? Don't tell me to go to the next window. You better have it right there. We, you know, we're that. They tell me, pull up to the next window. I was like, I paid here. I want my food here, you know? <laughs> it's, it's maybe what we want, right? Um, they have the, the, the quick dinners, you know, ready in minutes, it says on the box. Ready in two minutes, you know. Popcorn is a big thing, if you all ever noticed. Um, when, when you buy popcorn, on the instructions to cook the popcorn, it says to put a certain time. On your microwave, you have an automatic button for popcorn, but it takes longer than the actual time that the box of popcorn tells you to put it at, which is saying, no, this popcorn will cook faster than what your microwave says because we're impatient, you know. We don't like to wait. You know, uh, I, I told my wife I may sing today. But I'm not. I'm just going to say this. Uh, Brother Wilson's hit song, Wait on the Lord. And in the first verse, he says, wait on the Lord three times before he says, and he'll renew your strength. He goes, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And he'll renew your strength. I didn't want to sing that, but you know. I don't want to show off my talents like that. <laughs> you know, but... Letting us know we have to wait, right? Uh, not only that, but we've also become very ambitious. You know, the new iPhone just came out. I want it. You know, when it showed that uh, cinematic video taking, I was like, I can, 
you know, I, I was messing with uh, my, my cousin's camera yesterday. I was like, I want a camera now. You know, how much you pay for it? Never mind. You know, <laughs> you know, we want nice, better things. You know, new cars come out every year for a reason because people may be ambitious. People want to get a bigger house, better things. That's all right. Um, we want everything today and in this life, right? Like a bucket list, you know. Many, many of you have a bucket list to do before, you know, you're, not, you're no longer here. You know, you want to accomplish that. But Jesus warns us in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses, uh, verses 19 through 21, Lay up not yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. I'm sorry, I'm not good with King James. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. What is it saying? Don't be ambitious, you know. Don't try to collect stuff in here because bad things are going to happen to it. You know, moths, I do pest control for a living. You don't know how many times moths destroy people's clothing, people's um, uh, uh, pantries. You know, they're destroyed from these little moths. I'm guessing that's what it's referring to. Other translations may use rust, you know. Um, uh, do not lay up treasures uh, here and now. Do not be ambitious in the things of the world, is pretty much saying, but be ambitious in, in heavenly things, you know, because where your heart is, you know, there, there's, I mean, where your treasure is, there's your heart also. So what's it saying? Invest in your salvation. If you're going to invest anything in this life, it better be your salvation. Then all these things you, you can invest in. But first, we shall seek to invest in our salvation. Uh, but look at uh, what the Word of God says. You know, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, I have three different translations here. Another one says, for I consider from the standpoint of faith, it says in parentheses, that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared, so on and so on. The Message Bible says it. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. There isn't. Right? Like I said, I'm going to be all over the place today, but I hope somebody can grasp a little bit. And I'll get to my first point. Uh, my first point is, while we wait, which is a title that I put, we must endure suffering or hard times. Right? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you, just think about it, have gone through a suffering, have suffered? How many of you are suffering right now? If you haven't suffered or you're not suffering, let me tell you, you will eventually suffer, okay? Why? Because it is part of life. We must suffer, you know? Um, it is inevitable. We will go through sufferings or hard times. But it won't, always, it won't always be that way because those sufferings are always seasonal. They're not there to stay forever. They're only for a season, right? And it, it tells us, for I reckon or I recognize, I acknowledge, and I know that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, it says, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, right? The most common use for the word glory in the Bible is to describe the splendor, holiness, and majesty of God. Glory, in this sense, is often associated with a person experiencing God's presence in a tangible way. When used this way, the word glory conveys a sense of heavy dignity, right? This glory which will be revealed in us, this is the glory, rather, that will be revealed in us. 
and it is not worthy to be compared to the sufferings or hard times of this present time. So what does this mean? It means that we must endure the suffering and these hard times in this life because they are not to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. We must endure. We must overcome. The book of Revelation addresses the seven churches, which are represented by the seven candlesticks. If you read the, uh, I know Sister Valerie spoke about it last week a little bit. Um, God speaks a message to all those churches, right? It says, I know thy works, thy labor, you know, you faint not, you know. It's telling you, I know all this about you. It's pretty much saying what is wrong with them and what they shall do. And after every warning, uh, and uh, after every warning and message given to a church, God ends it with, to he that overcometh, to the church that overcomes this. We can apply that to our lives. If we overcome this, and then he gives a great, wonderful promise. I will give to eat from the tree of life. I will give dominion. You know, he, he goes on and says that. And those promises I like to compare to the glory, which is going to be revealed in us. You know, we can kind of compare it in that way. That is why we must endure suffering or hard times. Otherwise, we will miss out on the promises of God. And we don't want that. Amen? James 1 and 2 says, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. When can we consider it joy? Well, when we overcome. When we endure it, right? What are trials? They're difficult experiences, problems, sufferings, and hard times. That's what trials are. So consider the joy brothers and sisters, when you, uh, whenever you face difficult experiences, problems, sufferings, and hard times, consider it joy. Because, and going down James 1 and 3, because you know that the testing or the trial of your faith produces perseverance. So when your faith is being tried, when you have to go through suffering and hard times, remember that it is producing perseverance in you. And what is perseverance? Perseverance is a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition, meaning that you will be able to thrive or go forward despite all these, uh, all these oppositions. So this means that we're looking forward to what is to come, and we're continuing to overcome in order to hopefully one day see the promises of God, which is the glory that will reveal in us. Amen? Uh, Romans 8, 28 again. Uh, for we know that all things work together for the good that love God. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I want to read Romans 8 and 28 now, okay? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I want to I, I wanna go in a little deep. Like I said, I've been reading Romans 8, chapter 8, and this scripture has stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Um, God revealed to me in prayer and fasting, I was reading this one time, and it, and, it, and it literally made me shed a tear, made me cry a little bit, realizing what God is meaning by this. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, how many times have we told that to a relative, a friend, or a coworker that we know are not in church or not following Christ? I kind of want to say that promise is to them that love God. If they're not following Christ, they're not loving God. I'm not sure if I'm in a position to say this. Sister Valerie, please stop me if I do. But if, if, if you're saying these promises, which, you know, good, but there's nothing else done after that, you're pretty much lying to them. Because you're telling them, oh, everything's going to be all good. God is working for you. Yeah, but do you love them? You know, do you love God? Another thing is 
oftentimes we say the, the next part that says, to them who are called according to his purpose. We skipped the the right there. I don't know if you all saw that. In your Bibles, I thought it was a typo. But if you'll read it with me, it says, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not to those that are called, but to those that are the called ones. Point to your neighbor, say, you're called. You're called. We are his disciples, we got to remember. We are the called, right? If you feel that you're not, but you want to be, here's what you got to do. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Many people are not willing to do that. And they're willing to just say, well, everything's going to work together for me, you know, because, oh, uh, I'm called according to his purpose. Well, if you're not fulfilling that purpose that God has for you, you're not the called ones. You're just calling yourself, right? We call that self-dialing maybe, <laughs> you know, calling, you get it? Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, it's not, it's not really fulfilling the promise or, or, or something that God wants for you, right? We are his disciples, like I said. Uh, I, I read a commentary about, about what Jesus said about here, about taking up your cross and following him. It says, to deny yourself is not... It's not the giving up of things, but the giving up of yourself wholly and completely to the Lord Jesus. To deny yourself and take up your cross has nothing to do with the daily burdens you carry or problems you may have to face. It is to live for Christ and to fully identify with every aspect of his rejection, shame, suffering, and death. That's why he picked up the cross. He was shamed. He was put to death. He was rejected. You know? And he wants us to go through that, too. Many people say, I'll just pick up these burdens, you know, and carry them around. This is my cross, you know. But no, it's saying you got to endure what Jesus endured in order to be partakers of that promise. But never forget that the suffering we bear for our Savior will one day lead to glory. Let's not forget that. Amen. Amen. My second point, uh, while we wait, we must fulfill the Great Commission. All right. Like I said, Sister Valerie talked about heaven. We want to be there. We're not there yet. We're waiting. What are we doing while we're waiting? We must fulfill the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 couldn't say it any better. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Other translations say make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We know that's the name of Jesus. Teaching them to observe or to obey, another translation says, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This is a mission that, that Jesus left to his disciples, not just to the 12 disciples he was speaking to, but to those that are now carrying their cross and living for God. We have a mission. We have a great commission to teach, to make disciples, to baptize in the name of Jesus, to lead by example. Right? It says there, uh, and, and teaching them to observe or obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Um, this will benefit both parties or more, which are involved, right? Because we know that it's a cycle, you know? Uh, somebody did it for you, now you must pass it on and do it for somebody else, like a burning fire. Like I said earlier, Brother Roberts gave his time to teach my, me and my wife a Bible study one time, and I never thought I would be standing here teaching one to anybody. I never thought I would get to this point. But that's how it started. You know, it's like a fire. It just, you know, like a forest fire. It starts with one tree. I know it's bad and devastating, but that's how we must spread. <laughs> In Jesus' name. <laughs> we all have that calling. 
We all have that calling, right? To fulfill the Great Commission. Now point to your neighbor again and says, you have that calling. And that neighbor better be pointing back at you saying, no, you have the calling. You know, we all have the calling. You better be pointing at somebody. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And then Jesus finishes by saying, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen, he finishes. God is with us. His spirit leads us. We must be filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Acts 1 and 8 says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto all the uttermost parts of the world. Pretty much what he told his disciples already. So you're going to receive the Holy Ghost, receive powers, be a witness, or, and fulfill the Great Commission. A commentary about the Great Commission said it this way. The Great Commission spells out the central purpose for all believers. After salvation, our lives belong to Jesus Christ to die to purchase our freedom from sin and death. He redeemed us so we might be become useful in his kingdom. We're not sitting there, sitting there like bumps on the log, you know. We must, um, we, uh, while we wait, we must do the Great Commission. Amen. Uh, point number three, while we wait, we must trust in him. If you're waiting, if you're having hope, right, like I said earlier, waiting, another, another um, translation we use the word hope, we got to trust in God, right? Uh, a commentary said it this way about trusting God. Trusting God is more than a feeling. It's a choice to have faith in what he says, even when your feelings or circumstances would have you believe something different. Your feelings and circumstances matter and are very much worth paying attention to. God cares about them both, but those things alone are not reliable enough to base your life on. They can change at any moment, even in an instant. God, on the other hand, does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is worthy of your trust. You've got to trust God. Trusting God is not about ignoring your feelings or reality. It is not pretending that everything is okay when it isn't. But trusting God is living a life of belief and in and obedience to God even when it's difficult. Amen? Amen. That is trusting God. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, you know, the book of Proverbs is a, a really interesting book. It, it says a lot of wisdom in there, right? But it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into your own understanding. Right. It's that simple. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into your understanding. Why? Because sometimes we may not understand things. And if we lean on that, we're going we're gonna to fall. We're going to fail. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It just keeps going, right? It's not just trusting him. Now you got to fear him, <laughs> depart evil, you know, and be not wise unto thine own eyes. We must put all, all of our trust in him and not in things of this world. We must trust him with all of our hearts with all of our emotions, with all of our desire, with all of our strength. And it says, and he shall direct thy paths. He will direct your paths. He will lead you. He will direct you. And you must trust him. Otherwise, you will fail, like I said. When you trust in God, you can walk in the path in which he has put you and walk without questioning because you trust that he has the best path and outcome for you. Right? That's what happens when you're trusting God. Jeremiah 29 11 could not say that any better. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It can't, it can't get any better than that, right? When you're walking with him, these are the plans that God has for you. To prosper you and not to harm you. You'll be okay. I know it's, it's scary a lot of times saying, you know, walk by faith and not by sight. Because I like to see where I'm going. 
we all like to see where we're going, especially when you're driving. You know, last thing you don't, you don't want to hit a bump or something, you know, or a cat or two or, you know, squirrels. They just run across. I'm sorry. I, I drive. I, I'm on the road 20, um, a lot of hours, and uh, squirrels get it. But <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Amen. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that, right? That is why we must trust him because he has better plans for us, better plans than we have for ourselves. His ways are better than our ways. We must trust in God. He will provide every need, our every need, not our every want, you know? Like I said, I want that new iPhone, but I don't need it. That's sad, <laughs> but it's true, you know? I may need it one day, but, you know, when the time is right, right? Trust in him, he will provide. Philippians 4, 19 and 20, uh, chapter 4, verses 19 through 20 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To, to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He will provide every need. Remember that whatever the world gives you, the world can take away. Let that sink in for a little bit. What the world gives you, the world can take away. But what God gives you, no one can take it away. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Give him praise. Amen. And whatever you receive from God, only he can give you that. Nobody else can give you what God gives you. Peace, you know, my peace does not come from this world. My peace comes from God. Right? Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and his thoughts in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding. We don't even understand where this peace comes from, but it's there. Right? My peace does not come from my wife. <laughs> Love comes from my wife. You know, joy. Joy, that's another thing. Joy, my joy does not come from the world. You know, we, you, you may have joy in the season, but it's not forever. My joy does not come from the, girl, uh, from the world. It comes from God. Now, Psalms 30 and 11 uh, says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. That's pure joy right there. When you can say, I will dance with, you know, not caring what anybody thinks. I will sing like I just sang earlier. You know, I know it sounded good. You know, I want to think I did at least. Please let me think that. But the world, like I said, has the power and authority, all right? And this is the only time the world ever has authority. The world has the power and authority to take away what the world gives you, like I said earlier. But everything that God gives you, nobody in this world can take it away. That peace, that joy, nobody can take it away. Nobody can steal it from you, all right? Uh, point number four, while we wait, we must trust in his word. Again, we want to be in heaven, <laughs> You know, we're waiting. While we wait, we must trust his word. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We must believe that promise. Last week when Sister Valerie said, uh, gave that scripture, you know, 
it filled me with joy, you know. She brought comfort to me saying that scripture. And it says, uh, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We must trust that word, that one day God will come with a, with a voice of triumph, you know, with a, uh, with a voice of archangel uh, and with the trump of God, right? He will come with a shout. We got to trust that. In other words, Jesus is coming soon. Tell somebody, Jesus is coming soon. Another thing about the word uh, says uh, James 1, chapter, tw- uh, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Simple as that. Do the word, not only hear it. Right? And it explains why. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is unto like a man holding his natural face in the glass. Other translation says, it's like a man looking at himself in the mirror for just a quick second. Then he looks away. And then he doesn't, look, he doesn't know what he remembers what he looks like. You know? I remember what I look like, I like to believe, because I look at myself in the mirror a lot. Maybe back then they didn't have that many mirrors. Maybe that's why they said that. That technology wasn't there yet. Um, or every bathroom maybe didn't have a vanity. I don't think so. It was more like an outhouse, if you'll ever rent to one. Um, and go his way, and straight away forgot the manner of man he was. He, forget, he forgets what he looks like. No mirrors back then, right? Not many, at least. But who looketh into the perfect law of liberty, it says, whoever's looking to perfect law, into the word of God, and continueth therein, and continues in the word of God, he being not forgetful here, so he doesn't forget what he hears, but a doer of the work, meaning doing it, right? This man shall be blessed in his deed. You will be blessed by doing the word of God and not only hearing it. There will be great blessings coming your way if you do the word of God and not hear it. Trusting a, a written or spoken word or promise is a call into action. You must act up, up, upon a word that is given. This made me think of the trust fall. I don't know if you've ever seen little kids, you know, just trust fall, you know. They say trust fall, you say I'll catch you and you better catch them. If not, you're going to hear, a, you know, wailing and grinding of teeth. <laughs> but, but, you know, that, that's a word that calls into action, right? The, the kid says, trust fall. Keyword their trust. And it, and it continues on to fall, right? There's an action after that. And that's the only example I could come up with. I'm sorry. But, uh, but that's, that's the, only, the only example, like, like I said, I could have. Uh, trusting the word of God will always keep you spiritually balanced. People who try to go out beyond God's word will fail, right? To know deep inside that the Bible is God's word comes by believing, having faith in God's words. Doubting will only rob you. If you doubt, it will rob you from, from your belief. You, can believe, you can't believe God's word with doubt in your heart towards it. You cannot trust in his word if you don't trust in God, if you don't believe that this is the word of God. Right? You may think, oh, man wrote the Bible. Well, it was inspired by God. You know? Um, that's an argument I... I've had before with other people. I'm not going to get into that that much. But, you know, it is truly the word of God, inspired by God, written by man. Amen? And we all believe that, right? We all believe that. Amen. All right, we don't need to argue. <laughs> right? Um, speaking of arguing, uh, point number five, <laughs> while we wait, we must fight spiritually. We must engage in spiritual battles. Not because we need to, or not because we want to, rather, but because... The battle's already there. If you've been a Christian for the past three minutes, you're in a battle already. Yep. Let me tell you that. It starts right away. 
You know, I got baptized one day. Three minutes later, I got a phone call from a family member yelling at me. You know? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> it was that fast. You know, and we, and we want to, yeah, anyways. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Have strength in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put, the whole, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. What is it saying? Well, the attacks will come. It won't be against your brother, but it will be against, you know, uh, uh, principalities, uh, powers, rulers, darkness of the world, and all that. All hell is rising. We know that, right? It's been rising. It's not stopping. And we must be prepared for when, we, for, for, for when the fight comes to us. Paul reminds us that we are wrestling not against each other, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, but not against brother to brother, right? Or sister to sister. Um, a commentary about the spiritual battle says it this way. Spiritual battles can look like thoughts of depression, self-doubt, loss of a family member, your head being filled with lies, or anything that could potentially prevent you from furthering your calling. Many of them think that when somebody is over here, you know, twisting and flopping like a fish out of water, they're fighting a battle. No. Sorry to break it to you, that's not having self-control, which is one of the fruit of the spirits, is self-control. If the spirit is in you, you sh I mean, you might move a hand or two, but you should not be flopping around, like the word says. If you do so, there may be other reasons for that. God bless you. But, you know, all these things that I just named are synonymous with spiritual battles, right? Which, like I said, it could be depression, self-doubt, loss of a family member, or your head being filled with lies, or anything that could potentially prevent you from furthering your calling. It's something that is preventing you to move on in the calling that God has for you in your life. Okay? Uh, when we are face-to-face -face with the enemy, we can feel hopeless and like we don't have a chance, but our Heavenly Father has given us the resources to fight our enemy. The battle is real and it's happening. It is inevitable. If you've been living for God, like I said, for the last three minutes, you've already entered this battle. But Paul reminds us to be strong in the Lord, and in order to withstand the attacks and remain standing, we must put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. It says, Stands firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's how we enter the spiritual battle. Putting on the whole armor of God. You don't just walk in there with a helmet and the sword. You just walk in there with one shoe, the other one untied. You know, you will not be prepared. You will fail. You will fall. And it explains what each of them does. So it's not only to protect ourselves, but to, in order to counterattack. You know, the sword is the word of God. 
that's the only thing we can use to attack. Maybe the shield, too, you know, you can back him off. Like the arrows off, it says. But it tells us to put on the whole armor of God. That's how we enter. And that's how we are waiting. And while we're waiting, we're fighting a spiritual battle. While we're fighting, we're putting on the whole armor of God. That is important. While we wait, we must be engaged in a spiritual battle and fighting in prayer, like it says. Praying for all the Lord's people. Jesus reminds us that the enemy is certainly after us. In John 10 and 10, it says, The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? That's all he's coming to do, to kill, uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And then he says, But I have come that you might have life, and you have it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. The attacks are coming, but we can determine whether we give in or fight back. And that is by deciding to engaging in spiritual warfare and putting on the whole armor of God and going into battle or standing there and not doing nothing. So let us be reminded that we will be rewarded for walking in obedience and for fighting in the spiritual battle. Another scripture that Sister Valerie gave um, last week was 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, which says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up, on, uh, laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. We are not fighting in vain. There is a great reward for us if we fight, if we finish the race, if we walk with God. Uh, right there it says, I finished my course, meaning I'm, I'm, I'm done walking with God till this point. Till I die, I'll be walking with him in heaven too. And that's a good point Sister Valerie brought. You know, it doesn't end here. It gets better over there. And, and that's what, what I was trying to, to convey on my first point, that the sufferings of this world are not to compare with the glory that's going to be revealed. Amen? So, like I said, I was all over the place today. I hope somebody could grasp a little understanding and probably see some correlation between what Sister Valerie taught and what I'm kind of, you know, kind of saying right now. So while we wait, we must endure suffering or hard times, right? Romans 8 and 18. Like I said, uh, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. Uh, while we wait, we must fulfill the Great Commission, right? Like uh, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe or obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. While we wait, we must trust in him, right? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, uh, Proverbs 3. 5 and 7, uh, and lean not unto your own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. While we wait, we must trust in his word. Wherefore, comfort one another with his words. You know, Jesus is coming soon. Comfort each other with that word. He's coming. We're going to be up in heaven with him. Amen. Amen. Uh, while we wait, we must fight spiritually. Not against your brother, like I said, spiritually. We must enter the spiritual battle. Again, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of, the world, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right? Um, uh, you, may, you guys may stand up to your feet. I'm getting ready to close. Another point I wanted to make is that, um, and this is my closing remarks, uh, we would love to have everything good and right in this moment, Right? Any sickness, we want it to be healed. Our health, we want to be good, right? Our finances, we want them to flourish a little bit. Our minds, we want to be mentally stable. For those of you that need that, all of us should. Living in this world, we're all, yeah. But like I said, in the beginning, 
we want everything now, right? We don't want to wait, but that's exactly what God wants us to do. But as we're waiting, we have to be active. If we want to be rewarded with a crown of righteousness, then we must fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep our faith. These five points I gave to uh, I give you all today all have to do with one more of those actions that are required in order to receive that reward. And remember, for I reckon, uh, Romans 8 and 18 again, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm holding on to that promise. Anybody else is holding on to that promise? You can raise a hand and pray with me in this place. Jesus, we give you thanks for your word today, Lord. And we pray that it, it, it moves somebody today, Lord. I pray that, that, that your word went out forth and that it gave understanding to somebody today, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that your word goes forth and it, it shall not come back void. Lord, I pray that you will bless your people, bless this church, bless this congregation. Bless us, Lord God, as we continue, as we're waiting for you to come back, Lord. As we're waiting to see your glory, as we're waiting to see heaven, as we're waiting to see you face to face, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we, that we do the word and not only hear the word. Lord, I pray that you will strengthen your people, that you will give him perseverance in this place, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can give a hand clap onto the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. And we're going to get ready to start with our service here in a little bit. You may greet, greet one another. Um, I am all done. Any questions, please let me know. I know it's a little bit confusing, but please let me know. Greet one another, and let's get ready to go into Sunday school. I'm out. Worship service, I'm sorry. We just exited Sunday school. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.